Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Matt DeSero. Before we get to Matt, I just want to say that our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You see articles that I've written, some articles that some of the guests have written. You can see links to our social media. You can see links to the guest social media. When I'm talking about social media, I mean, of course, Instagram. You can find us at Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to Facebook. And there are links to iTunes and Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe for free. And if you are on iTunes, I ask you, as always, please give us a good rating because that boosts our presence there, which helps more people find the show. And I would appreciate it if you did that. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, I'm recording this right now in my cabin on the MS Eurodam, heading up the coast from San Francisco to Vancouver. Yes, this is the spring. I'm recording this in May when the ships are leaving the Caribbean and heading up to Alaska for the summer. This particular ship I met in Puerto Vallarta. We went to Cabo San Lucas, my first time in Cabo, believe it or not. And then we went to San Francisco, and now here we are. It's all Alaska all summer, baby. But that's okay. I like Alaska, and I booked a a ton of work up here this summer, so I will get to know it very well, along with uh, Vancouver, Seattle. I was on the fence about taking that much cruise work, but the way I see it, I can basically make the rest of my year's salary now. So when I get back to L.A. and my brand spanking new apartment by the beach, I can stay put for a while and handle the business of show back in Hollywood. So anyway, I got on the Eurodam, and one of the other entertainers was a comedy magician named Matt DeSero, a Canadian guy, nice guy, funny guy. It's always better to work with someone you like on these ships because it can get pretty lonely. You're not really hanging out with the guests and the crew. It's kind of like doing a guest starring spot on a TV show. You show up, and all the cast and crew, everybody knows everybody else, and you're just the outsider, and you're come in, you're supposed to deliver, and that's it. But you, And then you're gone. And that's kind of the way it is on a ship. But if one of your other guest entertainers is cool to hang out with, it makes the week go a little better. So Matt and I would consistently find ourselves at the end of the evening up in the Crow's Nest Bar on the top floor, which was nearly empty every single time. Dead as a doornail, but it was quiet, relaxing. And we just have a couple drinks and, uh, you know, hang out. Shoot the breeze. And getting to know him, I learned that he has been around the world quite a bit. He's worked a lot of cruises. He's done a lot of military-based shows. And he's been to both the North and South Pole. He's been to the Middle East. He's been to the Far East. He's been a lot of places. So I thought to myself, this is a good guy to have on the show. So one day at sea, I took my laptop and microphone, and we went to one of the meeting rooms on board. And we recorded this interview. So I had a lot of fun meeting Matt and talking to him and working with him. And I think you're going to enjoy our conversation. 
Here is the funny and well-traveled Matt DeSero. So Matt DeSero, Canadian. That's how you're defined. Canadian, magician, comedian, or do you call yourself comedy magician? What is your official title? My official title is comedy magician, and uh, I keep Canada out of it. Nobody wants to. <laughs> nobody wants to know about the Canadians. <laughs> Have you ever done the Canadian thing of putting uh, flags on your backpacks and stuff so people don't think you're American? I, I only put Canadian flags on everything. I, I don't want to be mistaken for. <laughs> When I was in I was in Korea once, and uh, I'm in South Korea performing, and I got the uh, the the flags all over my, my Canadian flags all over everything, and they're like, "Are you sure you're not American?" I'm like I'm not like a covert agent. I'm just I'm just a Canadian. Well, I mean, have you ever come across something where you've seen Americans treated differently overseas or something than you? Have you ever skated through security or done something that we couldn't do? I think I'm actually treated differently all over the world at security. Like, like seriously, when I go through customs and they're like, oh, Canadian, I think like I could be a drug mule. Like I could bring the stuff, I could bring the stuff in. Like they really do seem to let us. And then the locals in various cities all over the world too seem to treat me a little bit different. I don't mean to be hacking on Americans, but it, it does seem, you know what I mean? It just does... Like wherever they got a lot of military bases, people go, ah, it'd be nice to have some more Canadians. <laughs> what is the reaction now uh, with all this talk of border security and building walls and everything? What has been the uh, Trump factor in Canada? So for me, the Trump factor has been huge. My, I have a work visa to go to your country to work. And uh, when I renewed it like last January, I go to the border and they go, like I, I renew it at a land crossing. And they say, um, can we have your passport, your work visa, or your paperwork, and your all this crap? I go, yeah, okay. And they go, we also need your social media handles and your passwords. And I was waiting, I, and I've never been pulled over to secondary ever. Like, my work visa is pristine. Like, the, the paperwork is done flawlessly, a great lawyer. And, um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I waited two hours. They checked all my social media. And this was only... Sorry, I guess this was last year because it was uh, two days after Trump was elected. It changed that quickly. It went from me just going, giving my paperwork, boom, stamping, you know, maybe they checked to make sure I haven't committed a massive crime to, okay, now we need to check all your social media. It was crazy. So the Trump factor has been pretty high. I'm sorry, I was going to say, though, interestingly, if I can get in a little pro-Canada thing, um, it kind of pisses me off. I have to pay to have a work visa to go to America, but Canadian Americans can come to Canada without a work visa. They can work for free and you don't pay tax. So once again, you're the best in the world. <laughs> Wait, I've never been to a place. Actually, in Israel, I think they checked my online stuff. But uh, they check everything in Israel. <laughs> like, if you go to Israel, you better you better get ready for a search. Of course, but uh, but they, yeah, they did go online when I said I was a comedian and stuff like that. But I never heard of uh, an American border thing checking your. Did they go to your website or what did they do? So they checked, um, you know, Facebook, Twitter. I think to make sure they're not trashing Trump which was a mistake because it's all over the place. This was two days after he was elected. So it was bad news. But I have had them many times, American border guards will go, uh, so what do you do? And I'll go, a magician. I always say magician because it sounds like a children's birthday party entertainer and I'm, no, and I'm like, no threat, right? Um, and one guy's like, okay, I got your website here. He goes, I'll, uh, I'll stamp this uh, I-95 card if you show me a card trick. And I'm like, I got like dance, dan- dance, dance monkey, dance. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'll do it. So he goes, all right, you, uh, you look like you're good enough. Wow. And then he stamps it and he lets me go. I'm like, but you know, you, 
it's a border guard. I can't possibly throw any attitude at him. I'm like, yes, I'll do whatever you want. So you know what I mean? It's awful. So who's booking that? So now who's the, you, are you doing? <laughs> are you doing a wiki year at that uh, border crossing? It's Mitzi Shore. Mitzi's Mitzi's booking it from beyond. Um, yeah, it's just so weird. Like you don't have those problems, I guess, when you come to Canada. Do you work in Canada? I guess you must. Well, yeah. I mean, I go through on the cruises. I go through Vancouver all the time. Actually, I've said this to people before that. One of the biggest hassles I get now in borders is Canada and Vancouver. They 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 give you like a a pretty good third degree as an American there while you're here. We're a gray area. Like if you perform on a cruise ship, you're not passenger and you're not crew. But I can't hide it like you can. Like I have props, right? So if I say no, no, I'm just vacationing, and then they open up my case and I got like a rubber chicken and a whip and a bunch of cards and a knife. Well, I usually travel with a rubber chicken and a whip just to, for, you know, for fun. But <laughs> just, That's just your sex life <laughs> yeah, coming right. into play. But like, um, I have a, a P1 visa, which allows me to work on these things, and then I have a Siemens visa. So you're from the Toronto area. Yes, grew up in downtown Toronto, and uh, like most people, I took my uh, GST check and got out of there as quick as I could and wanted to see the world. So like, as soon as I got whatever government money came my way, I was like, I was out of there. What's your G- What's a GST check? Oh, goods and services tax. It's like a 13% tax we pay in Ontario on everything. And uh, you get like a, a, a GST rebate that comes every Ontario resident gets one. It's like 52 bucks. Okay. <laughs> so everybody just like, you know, if you really want to get out of Toronto and see the world, you take your 52 bucks and you get out of there as quick as you can. What was the first time you left the country? Not including America. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah, for America. That's so the first time out was uh, maybe 24, 25, and I went to Korea. I was booked to perform three weeks at a uh, theme park in Seoul, South Korea, and then Taejeon and Busan. So I had never been on a plane that long. And in those days, to get to Korea, I had to go Toronto to Anchorage, Alaska, Anchorage, Korea. It was brutal. It flew on Korean air. And like, I'd never been in a plane that long. And I didn't even really like to fly at that time. <laughs> uh, and then I got there, and the, the guy who books me, completely screws me over he uh, abandons me at the bus he's like i'm leaving but i wrote down some phrases for you and i go what what he goes yeah yeah don't worry I'm, I'm on this bus i'm going home but don't worry you'll be fine there are people here and then they they take me into this theme park they give me this room above the theme park which was awful and i had to no one spoke english not a soul it was the worst. They told me I'd be performing indoors, and I got stuck in like an outdoor theme park thing. Like, I'm wearing a suit, and it's 90 degrees in August. I'm like, this is the worst gig ever. And then, hilariously, this was, you know, the North Korea thing was always a problem. But about two weeks in, North Korea was like going to – the big talk was North Korea was going to invade South Korea, which at that time, I had no idea that was like a common thing. He threatens it all the time, but I didn't know. So I'm like, holy God, I got to get out of here. So I pay this guy like 200 bucks to drive me to the airport from Taejeon to <laughs> – to Seoul so I can get on a plane and I fly home. I, I ditched the contract. I didn't say goodbye. I didn't say anybody. I just packed up my crap and left. So I was pretty unprofessional. <laughs> Who the hell is booking a Korean amusement park from Toronto? How, how did you get that gig and why? Well, why is the money? The money, oh, yeah. the money seemed good, but it was just like the worst agent in the history of Toronto. Uh, this guy is the worst, sleaziest guy. Everybody knows it. And it's like he got me my first cruise ship gig when I was 21, and I got screwed on that money. And I don't know why I went to work for him again, but I thought, oh, I'd really like to go to South Korea because I like, I like the idea of travel and the world seems all right. And then I get there, and it's just, you know, awful. Like my handlers there didn't speak English, and the dude looked like Odd Job from, from James Bond, you know? And he's, try, he's trying to, like, you go here, you go here. And I had to just <laughs> cut my head off. It was a brutal gig. <laughs> Russian dancers were exploited there too, they didn't get paid. Oh. 
Yeah, it was awful. It was a good learning experience, man. Well, who was in the crowd? I mean, you you need an English-speaking crowd, so what happened? Well, I died pretty badly because not a, not a soul uh, spoke English. So I'm out there, and I'm like, hey, I need something. And then f- finally, I'm like, uh, there's no internet, no easy access to internet, so I'm looking through, like, dictionaries and stuff, and I figured out, like, a magic word so uh, they could figure out I'm a magician. So I'm like, ooh, suri, suri, mausuri. <laughs> <laughs> and then they think, oh, maybe he knows something. And then that's all I got. It was brutal. It was horrible. Really, really bad. How long was that? It was like You lasted like two, three days or something? I lasted two weeks. Two weeks? Two weeks. I lasted two weeks because I wanted to see Soul and I wanted to see. So I'm like, okay, I can, I can just keep, I can just eat it on stage. I don't care. And then uh, I take cabs and go see whatever I wanted to see. And I'm like, I'm just going to run. I'm here now. I might as well go. And that's been my philosophy for everywhere I go in the world now, right? Same as you probably. Like, even if it's crap, you go, I'm here now. So I'm in, if I'm in Peru and I'm sick, I'm like, I'm here. I'm going to go do whatever. So To a kid from uh, Hamilton, Hamilton, Ontario? I saw your act. Hamilton, is that right? Actually, so I lie. I'm not actually from Hamilton. It's just like, it's the big joke. It's like being from Queens or something like that, you know? So I, I am from, from downtown Toronto, and that's okay. where I grew up. Korea must have been a pretty big culture shock. I mean, how did you handle it at first? Was there fear? Or did that kind of like, a lot of times, our first trip overseas lifts the lid off of things that are like, okay, now I got to see everything. I mean, were you into it from the start, or was you pretty scared? Uh, well, I was scared about the shows and stuff, right? Because like, no one's speaking English, I don't know what to do. But yeah, I, I was hooked. Like, I go, oh my God, this is, this is the world. Like, I remember very specifically walking off the plane in Seoul, and I saw the mountains. Like, again, I'd never really been outside of Canada or America, right? So... Not a lot of mountains except for the Rocky Mountains, which you don't land near. Um, so I get off and I see all these things. I'm like, oh, my God, this is... And then it, it, like, I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm on the other side of the planet. How cool is this? And then Odd Job picks me up at the bus station and the whole world falls apart, which sucks. So like, it's, it's bad when you're working because everything is falling apart and it's garbage and you don't know if you're going to get paid. But you're like, ah, this is like a big adventure. Well, unlike so many uh, comics that I've wor- worked with and who are from Canada, like so many of them move to either New York or LA. How did you and why did you avoid doing that? How were you, why were you one of the ones that stayed? So when I wanted to move to LA or New York, I couldn't get the work visa, so I moved to England. <laughs> so I just it's where it's another commonwealth country that has a big comedy scene. So I moved there and I was like, "Oh, England's awesome." But you're right, I would love to have moved to New York, but yeah, I can't do that. I'm, you know. And also, if you're a comedy magician, comics hate you. Clubs, clubs hate you, uh, so it's hard to get in. Like I was lucky to work a lot of comedy venues, but at the end of the day, it's like such a big hard slog here. Whereas in England, variety's still king, so it's like comics take a backseat to the variety acts there. So I, w- I was moving to a place where I'm like, that's right, I'm the man. <laughs> it was awesome. How long did you stay in London, and why did you leave? So I stayed for a year only, and then I came back because all this corporate work was coming my way in Canada. And I was like, okay, there's way more money here. And then my parents' health was not doing well. My grandparents were also not doing well. So I'm like, okay, I better move back. And then I thought, I will move back to England one day. And then um, I got a wife and a kid, and now I can't move anywhere. (laughs) And now I'm firmly rooted in Toronto. When did the cruises come into your life? So first cruise came when I was like 21 or something like that. It was called Discovery Cruises. They're no longer in existence anymore. They were day cruises to Bahamas. And it was the most exploitive. It was like a slave ship. Like, honest to God, I had to do three shows a day. I called bingo. I did the horse races. And, and I'm talking 6.45 in the morning bingo. Did the horse races? Yeah, these, like, wooden horses. You had to move them around. Like, seriously, it was the worst. <laughs> what is this, the sting? You had a, you had a fake uh, a casino? With 
Some... And here they come, right around the turn. Are you reading off the ticker? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's no. Yeah, all the comics, all the all the acts had to do that every morning. And then I, at that time, it was like early '90s. I'm like, got my ear pierced and all this stuff. And they're like, you can't have an ear pierced on this. So you have to take out your earring. And then I was working with this like 80 year old impressionist, and he's like, "This is the best gig you could ever get, kid. It's not going to get better than this. Just just suck it up." And then I quit after a month or a month and a half because I, I do. I take shitty gigs for a long time. (laughs) I put up with a lot. Yeah, you got to, I guess. Stage time was good, though, like three shows a day. Um, And then when I got my first real cruise, I go, oh, oh, this is much better. My own cabin with a king-size bed. Look, One show a week? Oh, thank you. This is nice. So can you say you've been doing cruises for, what, 20 years now? Probably 15, and I took a three-year break when my kid was born. I didn't do any cruises. But yeah, yeah, a long time. Same as you probably, right? I've only been doing cruises like two and a half years. That's right. That is why your act is still good, because you, hey. you haven't had boat. You haven't had... You don't got the boat comic on you. <laughs> Covered in boat stink? Uh, boat apathy is really what it is. <laughs> well, no, we'll talk about that. I mean, as a performer, I've known in, in just two years that you have to... There's certain things you have to do, and certain things that that a cruise requires and and it's just the way it is and whether it's because the restrictions of working on the ship whether it's language or whatever and and age but it's mostly the age of the people and that kind of thing how in terms of magic did you have to change things and I know how you did like comedy wise but how would you have to change like magic wise so the whole thing I have to work slower and I have to come up with bigger... I like interactive stuff, right? So when I started working cruise lines with older people, I had to learn to give them more time to get up on stage. And then I'm like, hey, maybe I shouldn't get these people up on stage. So you have to change your whole act and the nature of the material is different. So I try to pick stuff that reminds them of vaudeville. So I'm not doing like... I would never do a trick with lasers or something, right? I, I want like, well, I want them to feel like they're watching the Sullivan show with the same hacky Milton Burrell type lines as well i want it just like that so yeah but that seems to work sometimes but that's the compromise right give us one story of one time when you brought somebody on stage and it went horribly wrong and you brought the wrong person on stage i have uh i don't know why this leaps to mind but i'll tell it anyways um this is the worst story of having anybody on stage ever i'm doing a show for ford motor company i can say ford because they'll never hire me again after this and uh they're giving out 100 year old bottles of wine so everybody was only like high-end people, so like maybe 150 or 180 people. Can't believe they had financial difficulties ever. But This was actually, this was right around that time. I'm really surprised. Anyways, so uh, I'm like, hey, man, can I try the 100-year-old wine? I just want a glass. I love wine, and I'm very curious to know what it would taste like. I could never afford it. Like, it's like a 1000 bucks a bottle. They go, okay. I try it. I'm like, yeah, it tastes like a $50 glass of wine, but it's not. Or like a $50 bottle of wine, but it's not over the top so fine I do that. I'm in the middle of my act. I get this big lumbering beast up on stage, <clears throat> big man. Like a small fishing village, you know, and I'm linking a coat hanger onto his arm and uh, I feel this gurgle in my stomach. And in the time it takes me to think that didn't feel right. All the audience hears is I just crap myself on stage (laughs) in front of 150 people. I got the mic in my hand and like with 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 performer like um, like instinct, I I turned with the to the audience with the mic and I go, oh, my God, I shit myself. (laughs) And I drop the mic and I run off stage. And then I had to go to the washroom and cut my underwear off with a Swiss army knife, all because of this. So uh, this act, I call up this act, and I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened. Uh, there's another comic in Canada who had the same thing happen. He pooped himself on stage. So I go, I, I just horror myself. 
<laughs> so he's laughing. He's like, hey, man, I give you a thousand bucks if you get that gig again next year. Big laugh. Well, turns out everybody who drank that wine got sick on the plane on the way home. But for some reason, Ford's like, yeah, we can't use you again. And it was Canada's biggest event planning agency that hired me for it. And they still to this day will not use me again because, and it's weird, the venue that I performed at is like pretty co- like a conference popular spot in Niagara-on-the-Lake just outside of Niagara Falls. And a bartender, every time I go in there now, still like 10, 15 years later, the guy's like, hey, man, you going to shit yourself tonight? <laughs> I'm like, please. Anyways, yeah, it's, that, it, nothing could go more wrong than that. It's one of those things that would make you legendary. That just makes you legendary. In, in 15 years you've been doing cruises, how has the industry changed? Not just performing, but cruises in general. What, what are the changes you've seen industry-wide? They've gotten better to some degree, and then they've gotten worse. To, like, I, I think the element of luxury is not there on every line like it used to be. It seems to be like it's going after younger people instead of older. But, you know, the venues are all the same. I like the... The travel end of it has remained awesome. Like, I could do without the Caribbean ever again, probably like you. Like, even after two years, you're probably done with the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. But Mediterranean's great and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, within the ship, I have nothing really bad to say because I like my job, so I wouldn't say that out in public too much. But, yeah, there's yeah, there's no problems. Of all the uh, trips you've taken around the world, whether it's Mediterranean or South America or anything like that, can you give us one that stands out in your mind and go, that was my favorite? That that one I would go back to any time. I mean, in terms of a cruise? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, geez, because like I have lots of places that I've been to for like military shows and stuff that I think are awesome. My favorite—I actually like Alaska. I think Alaska might be my favorite of all the cruises. Like, I really take that over the Mediterranean. Yeah, yeah. Like, I really love Italy and I like you know Barcelona and all that stuff. But there's something about Alaska. I think because uh, my cell phone works for free there. Yeah. Like when you're a performer on a ship, these are the biggest concerns, right? Do you get free cell phone? Can you call home? That's my. Uh, but yeah, no, Alaska is awesome. It's a part of America nobody sees, and I I like to hike and stuff like that. So. Like, where else can you do that that's only five-hour flight from home? What about, like, the ships themselves and whether it's... Because even in two years, I've seen how the cruise director position has changed, at least on this one, Holland America. It's gone from someone... It's, like, an older person who's been around forever to, like, a really young person, and the cruise director was the one who made all the decisions, and now now there's an entertainment director, and there's all these different things. Have you seen shifts in that? I mean, was was the cruise director position completely different when you started? When I started, the cruise director was the king or queen. There was that was it. The buck stopped with them, and now you're, just like you say, it's different now. But I think it's because they're trying to get younger cruise directors in to attract a younger audience. Because cruise lines that uh, attack older audience, the older people are dying off, or or, or maybe too old to travel. So they got to start bringing in newer people. So maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not really sure. I don't know if it's good or bad. To be honest with you, it just is. It's just the way it is. Right. I like the cruise lines with the older people, though. That's my audience. I like. Give me 45 to 65, couple of kids. That's that's in my wheelhouse. Now you've done a bunch of um, military bases, right? You've done you've done a bunch of those. Was this through USO? Were these Canadian military bases? Do Canadians have military bases? Let's 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 start right there. Okay, so this is the worst story in the history of ever, uh, but it's true. I go to Kuwait a couple of years ago to perform for the Canadian military. I've done both American and Canadian because uh, I think the Americans think I'm American. Yeah. Like, it's weird because I'm there a lot. Anyways, uh, I get to Kuwait, and Canada does not have its own base there, technically. We have a base, but we, we rent the ass end of America's base, which is like three miles away from food. They got a bus in. It's just... And so they're like, hey, we're going to come see the F-14s. You want to see the F-14s? I'm like, I, I'm not pro-military super, so I don't really care. But I go, uh, and Ameri- all of America's fighter jets are there on the runway, and it's it looks like Top Gun. It's badass. And Canada has one. One. And... Uh, 
it's like you know John Wing is a friend of mine. He's got this great joke. I'm sure, and we're friends. I'm sure you won't mind me paraphrasing it. But he goes, um, you know, Canada has the West Edmonton Mall, the biggest mall in the world, and there's a, a big uh, like a lake in the mall, and it has three underwater submarines, fully functional underwater submarines in the mall. And he goes, uh, the Canadian military has two fully functional underwater submarines so if america invades the gap we know we're safe and nothing could be more accurate but our bases are like we have we have the north pole which has allowed me to get to the north pole that was amazing like how many people do you know have been to the north pole right well let's talk about that i haven't done much uh, north pole discussion on the on the travel tales podcast so how long did it take you to get up there and how long were you there so everybody plans on going for five or six days but you get snowed in so you're always there eight nine days i've been in october and i've been in summer so October, I've got, I've landed, so I go um, Toronto to Newfoundland, Newfoundland to Thule, Greenland. You overnight in Greenland for refueling. Could we fly on Hercules, the old, you know, the Hercules aircraft, the aircraft carriers? I don't know what they're called. I forget what they're called in America, but they're, they're an aircraft carrier with the, the back end that opens up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when you fly, when you fly in them, everybody, everybody tries to get on the luggage to sleep on the luggage, right? Because you got a long flight or you sit in the netting and you, you don't sit facing the front of the plane. You sit sideways. Oh, okay. So it's a long, ugly flight. You have to wear earphones because it's so loud. Very little heat on this thing. It's like, it's not luxury travel, but it's cool. Uh, you get to Greenland, which is amazing. Love Thule. I'd go back to Thule in a heartbeat. A matter of fact, I walk off the plane, I go, that mountain is unbelievable. And the guy's like, that's an iceberg. I'm like, damn. So then from Thule, you have to fly from there to Alert, which is the North Pole. It's, and it's the, mo- it's the most northern permanently inhabited settlement in the world. And uh, it's like 90 people work up there. And I think they use it as a listening post to Russia because there's all this uh, antenna arrays on top of the base. And I wasn't allowed to take photos. They, they took my camera off. Um, but it was awesome. And I was up there. The food was great. And Food was great. Amazing, like lobster and uh, Arctic char and all this oh, stuff. Sure. Like, but think of it: if you're if if you're a military guy and you get sent up there, you better get something in return. So give us decent food. That was always like the punishment in the movies that you know, oh, you get sent to the North Pole. Yeah, you know the equivalent of uh, Hogan's hero setting. Well, you go to the Russian front. Well, I don't think it's top of the. You're not yeah. top of the military food chain if you're up there. But it was cool to go. Like I, I just always wanted to use show business to get me places that I wanted to see, and that was. One of them. And now I've done the South Pole, too. So I'm probably the only comic you know who's been to both poles. When did you go to the South Pole? South Pole was maybe four or five years ago the first time. And have you been? You have been, right? No. Well, I've been to Antarctica, but I've never been to the South Pole. But I I interviewed one guy that had been there, but he had one trip uh, that got abandoned because of weather. I guess it's very common. Performing that that weirdly based. I don't don't really know what they do there, (laughs) to be honest with you. And another guy I went to Kilimanjaro with that was in my group was a cook at the Amundsen-Scott Station down there for a year at, at that base. They, that's where they found Shackleton. They, that's where they found his scotch frozen. And then somebody had and I and one of my friends worked on the project. He's an archaeologist, and he told me that they 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 like molecularly pulled the thing apart and were able to recreate. So now they're selling basically genetic or you know like molecularly exact same copies of Shackleton's scotch. So I'm like, I need a bottle of yeah. this because Shackleton's so badass, right? Oh. Like you know, he's, his story is incredible. And they were showing it on the ship all the time. There was like specials about it and then you could rent books and stuff. But, uh, yeah, you, you look at something like that and go, I'm not a real man. I'm not. I mean, you can't. <laughs> we're the biggest with our Gore-Tex walking. They're going in there with horses and wool and just wet wool. and, and For a year. Like oh. they, they, The ship froze in the ice for a year. I don't even know what they ate or how they, or each other, maybe. I don't know. Whatever they did. Um, but And then they had to like cross 
some hunk of land and they go over like a mountain they had to slide down to like something with two people and that's why they survived and oh it's just awful like yeah i'd be, i'd be, i wouldn't even survive the movie alive i can't even watch the movie alive <laughs> how many shows did you do in the north and south poles so i forget how many in the south pole but the north pole i remember was only one show because there's only 90 people which i loved so i'm up there for like a week and they have a movie theater like we watch the thing where where, oh, oh, where else yeah. where else would you watch the thing but the North Pole? At that time, they had like um, James Bond video games. It was like the PS4, PS3 okay. era. Like, so it was cool. They had a big video game room, and they had a radio station. We took that over. And so, how many uh, women were up there? One, oh. one woman. But I was on a show tour with uh, like five dancers or something. So you know, there's like a comedian, there's dancers, there's uh, a harmonica player. And I was with the Five Man Electric Band, if you know. They had a song called Signs, Five oh, Man yeah. Electric Band. Everywhere a sign. Yeah. Les Emerson is the lead singer and the biggest drinker I've ever met in my life. He was awesome. Okay. Awesome. Anyways, um, the women, we all walk out of the Hercules to go to the base and all these guys are looking through the windows because they haven't seen a woman in like 13 months. And then at the end, they ask slash make the women leave their bras and underwear to hang from the ceiling so you see all these previous show tours and like of underwear and bras hanging up around just going it must be this is the worst gig oh <laughs> like i would if if it meant 13 months up there or again in the career run i'd take the career run in a heartbeat right and then the worst part about it half the year in almost darkness that's got to be brutal I, I don't know if you've experienced it like i had one day of dusk and i was like oh this is cool so i could see the petrified forest up there and they take you out in the arctic cat and then the next day it's blackness and it was like that for a week and you don't know when to eat you don't know when to sleep you don't know when to poop you don't know when to do whatever your whole body is a mess i never realized it was that bad but i would do it again i'd gladly do it again like i'm up for any kind of crazy adventure like that i would love to go when i mean how many people can say that anybody can say they've been to both poles i mean it's uh, so the south pole how was the south pole different than the north pole that you noticed well more animals north pole has none there's only Arctic fox. Oh, yeah. Arctic fox and Arctic hare are at the North Pole. And the Arctic hare walk on their hind legs. No one believes me, but you can Google this. Um, they walk on their hind legs, and they're about three feet tall. And when we got to the base, people had been, like, you know, the workers take the garbage out to the garbage bins out in the base. And a couple of them had been attacked. So they give us, like, a stick with a ball on the end of it. And I'm like, I'm just going out with the Environment Canada woman. I just want to go see her. Like, I'm into science. She's going to take me to her base there and show me all of her crap. And they're like, yeah, you need the stick. And I'm like, no, no, it's rabbits. And they're like, no, seriously. If one comes at you, it's like watership down. We're going to, you have to beat the crap out of them. And sure enough, they come after you. There's nothing. There's nothing. Like, I had to hit a rabbit. I'm a pacifist. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hurt an animal ever, but like. Just kill or be killed, man. You got to do what you got to do. And I'm like, oh my God. But they're like, they're this high. And my ex was with me on another show. And um, the producer of that North Pole tour was on that show. And uh, she did not believe me about the rabbits forever. And so I'm like, hey, don't don't say anything. Don't say anything. Uh, I go, tell her about the rabbits. And he just leans back in his chair and he puts his hand out like this to gesture to like three feet high. And she's like, oh, my God, I believe you now. I'm like, yes, I told you. So, yeah, Google it. They're crazy. So that's like, you know, like there's penguins at the South Pole and interesting. Yeah, polar bears. Yeah, I don't think there's. That's north. No, nope, polar bears are not at the North Pole. They don't go much higher than uh, Hudson Bay. It's too, oh. cold. it's too cold for them at the North Pole. It's too cold for me. It's like mine. It's 100 degrees below zero with 80 mile an hour winds. There is his Arctic fox and Arctic hare, I think, and a petrified forest. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had no idea either. Like, that was pretty cool. And then they took us out to an iceberg, and they chipped off um, some ice for us to take back to the base, and we put it in our scotch. So it's like, you know, I don't know how many millions of years old the ice, the it water. Forever to 
yeah, but the water in that ice must be like thousands and thousands of years old. I'm like, I'm bad, like I'm badass James Bond drinking my, you know, it's really cool. So, you know, and, oh, and they let me keep all the Arctic gear, which was oh. awesome. So I got like my military, I live in Toronto where it snows, it's like Chicago or anything. So when I go snow blowing my driveway, I wear my, my military parka and it's awesome. Like <laughs> this is designed for the North Pole, like Toronto doesn't bother me. Let's talk about some other places you've gone and performed around the world. In the military tours, did you ever get close to any kind of action, any fire or explosions? I've done, uh, what do they call it? Inside the Wire is where, where you are, right? So, like, I've been to Afghanistan. There's a show called Comedy in Kandahar that they run all the time, which is, I know, who names these things? But um, you can see, like, it, you can hear and see stuff in the distance, but they don't take us into a hot zone, right? Um, although, in Mangadishu, they took us around. Uh, but that was your military, not mine. So you guys are obviously, well, also, I'm a Canadian. They're like, yeah. ah, let the, if the Canadian goes, right. pish posh. <laughs> we don't care about them. Um, but Canada used to have a base in Nicosia, um, Cyprus, there's a place I'd go back to. That's like, you know what it reminds me of? You know where the island where Wonder Woman grew up on? Yeah. That's, that's Nicosia. Near the Greek islands. I mean, it's, it's a half the half Greek, half uh, Cyprus, right? Half. No, half uh, Turkey and half Greek, yeah. yeah. And they're still fighting over it. Yeah, they are still fighting over it. But we, Nicosia is on the Greek half. So it's, uh, and it's pretty interesting because my wife is Greek, or well, Macedonian, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which I know is not the same thing, but I always say it's the same thing. Her father, my father-in-law killed me if I said yeah. that, please. But um, it's a good, it's a, to me, I think it's the better half. And yeah, I'd go back there in a heartbeat. I liked the base in Korea was good. North Pole was great. Um, Greenland was amazing. I'm trying to think of the other ones that I, BC has a nice one too. Where's your favorite? Oh, you haven't done any, or have you? No. Military, so. Even in America? I did like Tyndall Air Force Base in Tampa, or Pensacola and stuff like that. So now... <laughs> They're sending me to Top Gun. Well, what you don't get over is like, at least the enlisted guys and women, how young they are. You, you forget. You know, these kids are like 18, 19. It's like doing a college gig, but not. And, and They're making decisions about who lives and dies. Like, I go, wow, you're only 19. Yeah. It's like the Paul Hardcastle song. <laughs> But yeah, they're, I think they're great tours. Like I, they don't pay much; they, they pay poorly. But I'm happy. Like I got to fly on a Hercules, and and like the Canadian military is obviously a little more slack than you guys. America's like super strict, but the Canadian guys are like uh, like you know how pilots aren't supposed to drink or anything. I, I went drinking the night before with my pilot in Greenland, and then on the way from Greenland to the North Pole, he's like, uh, "You want some stick time on the Herc?" I go, "I don't know how to fly, man." He's like, "No, no, no don't worry. We'll just just sit in the chair. I'll show you what to do." And uh, I grab it. Like, I actually, I flew a Herc for about 10 minutes. And, the, like, the stick is super heavy and it's hard. And I got, like, little heroin addict arms. I got the arms of a 12-year-old vegetarian, right? So, like, it's hard for me. And, uh, but I'm like, oh, my God, they're letting me fly a Herc. Like, I'm being paid to fly a Herc? How awesome is that? And I don't, the, the plane, the Hercules, our, ours have been in service since 1942. Yes. Ours are a little outdated. Like you, you know that old comics joke about how Canada's got, you know, new guns, the musket, you know that old? But, like... It's kind of true. Our military has some pretty outdated stuff. So in a way, you're flying on a vintage aircraft, and it's, it's awesome. But you also go, maybe I'm not going to survive this one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You think we'd give you our 12-year-old stuff, and then... Uh, your hand-me-downs. Yeah. <laughs> We're like your upstairs neighbor. Let us, you know, let us have some of your crap. But no, yeah. they'd rather sell it elsewhere, I guess. Yeah, I, I guys, our guys aren't hurting for new stuff. Um, you know what? Our, our Canadian military sent... So, you know, I have to, they all get the uniforms, obviously. Um, our guys get set up in Afghanistan and they sent them green uniforms, green camo uniforms. 
uh, and they're like, and it was like a big media story. Like, oh my god, how did they, how did this screw up? It's a desert place. Send them something, and we're just like another stain on the Canadian military. <laughs> they sent them hockey helmets. Why did they? You, it's easy to get into our military. You just got to be a goalie. Can you can you can you skate backwards? You're a def- if you can skate backwards, you're now in defense. <laughs> um, well, let's let's switch it to Canada then. Let's go let's to go to Canada because believe it or not, of all the places I've been in Canada, I've been to PEI. I've been to Montreal. I've been, uh, of course, up and down the the West Coast, Vancouver, and up to Alaska and everything. And Banff is one of my favorite new places. Just gorgeous. When we, and Jasper and Banff and all that area around that I took for the Rocky Mountaineer. But believe it or not, one place I haven't been is Toronto, the biggest city of all. We have 8 million people in Toronto, and I think it's the biggest super city in North America now. It's because uh, all of our suburbs joined into one awful financial drain on the city of Toronto. And uh, yeah, we have like 8 million people in the city wow. of Toronto, which I know is, yeah, it can't be the biggest. No, it is. It's the biggest no, combined. Can't be bigger than New York. No, no. New York's like 11 million people on the island, but we're the biggest combined. Okay. Uh, I don't know. There's some, some stupid thing that they say. Anyways, Toronto is great, but I think like Ontario is massive. People don't realize how big Ontario is. Like if I drive from Toronto at the base of Ontario to Thunder Bay at the top, that's 20 hours. That's the same distance as Buffalo to Florida. Like that's how big our province is. And it's cool. There's all sorts of stuff to see up there. And then you go to the Midwest, which I don't think you have been to. It's like Manitoba, Saskatchewan. And that's, you know, the old joke, um, it's so flat. You can see your dog run away for three days. That's true. Like it's just big sky country. And there's, I mean, there's some stuff to see, but, I think east and west coast of Canada are the best, and then the middle, the middle's just. Okay. Come on, you got Winnipeg, man. Yeah, give me one Winnipeg story. Everybody's got a Winnipeg story. Give me one uh, thing that happened to you in Winnipeg. Got uh, up to do Rumors Comedy Club there, and uh, it's minus thirty-five Fahrenheit Celsius. Oh, I guess maybe at that. I think it's the same actually at that yeah, temperature. Yeah, know, um, but anyways, uh, so I, I finished the run and I get on the plane and they de-ice the plane for me to come home, which doesn't sound funny until you realize that I was there in May. That's how cold it is in Winnipeg. But it's great. Winnipeg actually is a great city. It's got a thriving arts culture, and, you know, there's a great symphony there. Give us one part of uh, Ontario that people wouldn't know about that you would recommend to people traveling and tourists. So it depends on what you do. Northern Ontario is almost entirely supported by the fishing and hunting industry, so I'm not really big on hunting. It's not my jam. But um, Wawa, Sudbury, Timmins... Those areas, which are fly-in communities, if you're a fisherman, it's not expensive to go there compared to what they pay in America, and it's some of the best fishing in the world. I now have this internet TV thing where it shows me a, a like a, a fishing show, and they're always up there because the fish are incredible. So people I know go up there, and it's beautiful. Like it's, it, yeah, it's it's stunning. And then if you're a fisherman, or I guess if you're a hunter, hunting is pretty big too. Like bear is huge, and moose, and but there's moose all over the road. There's how hard is it to shoot a moose? I mean, it's really hard. You have to get a tag. They're enormous. You have to have a tag to shoot a moose, right? So you have to get a, my neighbor is a hunter. It's a big source of an argument with us. But I do know that he has to pay for this tag so you can, a bull or whatever the female is, you can pick one of those. Anyways, as long as I've known him, which is 15 years, he's never got a bull, he's never got a moose, never. And they go 18 hours north of the city and they go for like a week and a half and they're deep in the bush. This guy's like Yukon Jack. You know what I mean? He's, he goes into the bush and they can't find, they can't get him. But in Alaska, they'll come walking up into people's towns and like go through the garbage and stuff. Bears too, right? Yeah, yeah. Same with like Jasper. Uh, they'll walk everywhere. And it's funny, like if you want to shoot a moose, 
to me, like I go, why don't you just wait until winter when they put the salt on the road? Because the, the moose come out to lick the salt off the road. But you can't do it. It's illegal. Not sporting enough. Not, not, you know. No, well, it's like, you know, that old Robin Williams thing. If you give a deer the gun and a bulletproof vest, then it's fair. Right. right? That's, <laughs> but, yeah, there's lots of tourism stuff to do in Ontario. Like, it's surprising how much history is like the Hardy Boys. The author of the Hardy Boys lived just north of North Bay. That's five hours north of Toronto. You can see their hometown, and then there's all this cool stuff. Yeah, there's lots of history there. What about Toronto? I've I got three days in Toronto. What what do I need to do? Okay, here's what you don't do: don't leave the core. Don't <laughs> don't leave. So don't leave the subway. But you know everybody does CN Tower, of course, and all that kind of stuff. But we have a fantastic museum. The art gallery is second to none in North America. I feel. Um, and then you know you got to see Blue Jays game. You got to watch. Or if you're there in the winter, you can go watch the Leafs die. I always say, you know, the Leafs, uh, Toronto's the only place uh, in the world where Leafs fall in the spring. Hey, <laughs> you know. Come on. It's um, yeah. There's lots to do in Toronto. It's like any, it's like saying, "What do you do in Manhattan?" Yeah, you know what I mean. It's although we are nowhere close to Manhattan. This is my big. I've lived there for so long. Toronto has this crazy attitude about it. The people are very nice, but collectively, they think Toronto is like Manhattan or Chicago. Like our 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 subway system is two lines. That's it. And I'm like, we're not a world class city. I'm sorry, you're a world class city by way of transit, and Toronto doesn't have that in spades. So there's lots of cool things to do, but Toronto has this. Oh, we're like New York, and then I go go to New York, and then or to Chicago or Boston, and then you'll see. Um, but yeah, like it's a it's a beautiful city. There's it's like, but again, if I said to you, what would you, what are three things you would do in Manhattan? It's tough to nail it down, right? What do you say? You go to Central Park. And then, uh, but other than like the center where the subway is, otherwise, is it tough to get around? I mean, is it like it's tough to get around in the core? Okay. Like, because the problem is we have the two subway lines, but we have, um, uh, like, like what they have in San Francisco, we have streetcars which block up the roads and buses which run infrequently. And then once you get to the northeast west end of the city outside of the core, it's just a wasteland, it's in its industrialness, but you can't get anywhere. So when I moved out of the core to the suburbs, I remember dropping somebody off in downtown Toronto and she was taking the bus, which should have been five minutes, 10 minutes or something. And um, I got home quicker than her. And I, and I lived a half an hour outside of the, outside of the city. Unlike uh, Montreal, which... Montreal is great. Montreal is great. But there, um, you know, you, oh, you got to eat uh, this. So you got to have your smoked meat or whatever, you know, your poutine and whatever the... So is there, is there a Toronto food that I need to eat? Well, Toronto is the most multicultural city in the world, so there's every kind of food. So we have, like, Koreatown is awesome, Chinatown's fine, but we also, like, Little India, oh, my God. Because uh, the suburb of Toronto that I live in is 80% Indian. We have the, be- we have the best uh, Indian food in the world. Probably better than in India, seriously. So, like, if food... No, I'm putting London up there. Yeah, that's true. You can't get a good chicken vindaloo in Toronto. <laughs> uh, but, like, think about it with that many different cultures like you could eat your way across toronto toronto is known for its food so and i love to eat. i'll eat anything like it's in uh i forget where it was might have been might have been vietnam or something they offered me a, a tarantula candied tarantula and i ate it like i don't care everyone's making fun of me i'm like i'm eating it i'll, I'll eat anything are you what is tarantula? pretty good like tasty like i go it doesn't have a taste like that i can you know but i go ah, i'd eat that again have you ever tried any of the insects uh, I did have some insects in um, th- uh, Thailand, in the market up in Chiang Mai. I tried the uh, grasshoppers in uh, Mexico, yeah, yeah, too. Are those the ones that are like yay big and you bite them in half? Like they're 
They were like smaller. They looked like almost looked like crickets. Locusts. Maybe I've had a locust then. Maybe they were crickets, not grasshoppers. I can't remember. But they're, they're a two bite. Mine, mine were like a two bite snack. And I'm like, this is better than a brownie. But I'm not. I'm not afraid. Like Greg Otto, who we both know, he'll eat literally anything. And I'm like Greg. Like uh, once you're there, if somebody were like, here, eat monkey brains. Yeah, I'll do it. Like. I don't know. Indiana Jones taught me eat, yeah. eat whatever, right? I only try to. I stop at like things that I and I'm trying to protect. Like I, I don't. I refuse to eat as a diver. I don't eat the shark fin soup when I'm in Asia and things like that. And I don't want to eat like whale and stuff like that. In Tokyo, you could get that, but which is you know the, the endangered stuff. I don't like to. You know, I'm trying to. Like yeah, I'm not going to go. Hey, we want the last piece of leg of black rhino. You go. No, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, if it's local food. You should, like I like how in China they always say we'll eat anything with four legs except a table. Do you ever hear that expression? I'm like, yeah, it is kind of true. But I, the only thing I really couldn't stomach was sea cucumber. You ever had sea cucumber? It was just disgusting. I'm sorry if anyone's listening who regularly eats it, but it's not for me. So you've been to mainland China. I have not. I've been to Hong Kong and Taiwan, but I've never been to mainland China. <laughs> the further north you go, the more it becomes more like what you think Mongolia is like. <laughs> you know? But still pretty interesting. Like I'm always just in awe of anywhere that's new, right? So... Macau is not. That's that's like it's like the Vegas of Asia. Yeah, it's the unicorn, right? Like you go there, there's so much money. But then, yeah, I feel like the north of China. I have a friend who only works in China. He's a magician, and he's like a massive star there. And he goes way north into Mongolia too, sometimes I guess as well. But he's all over China, and he loves it. He just thinks it's the best. Like again, if somebody's going to pay me to go somewhere, I'm going. Like that's my rule. Is there anywhere you wouldn't go? Not really. No. I mean, I mean, of course a war zone or something like that and and uh something that it's really dangerous. I mean, there's parts of West Africa I might want to uh skip. <laughs> Some places with military hunters, you know, things like If there's Ebola. Yeah. Where I, I can't think of a place I wouldn't go. Like if even if the money was bad or non-existent, I'd go. Eh, I if I haven't been there, why not go? You're only on the planet for so long. You might as well see it all, right? What's the deal with Ottawa? And why should we care about it? Well, we don't even care about it. And it's our capital city. It's because all the politicians, all of the politicians are there. But I, you know, I'm just joking. But I was like, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I know it's the capital. But other than that, I mean, is there stuff to see there? No, it's on the border of Quebec. So you can drink until four in the morning if you go across the bridge to Quebec. That's all you need to know really about Ottawa. The Parliament buildings are there, the Rideau Canal. Rideau Canal, if you like to skate, is amazing because it freezes over and in the wintertime they light it up. It's gorgeous. Um, what else is there in Ottawa? Nothing. It's got actually got a really good transit system so you can get out with your, with your GST check. You can get out in a hurry. But yeah, like if you're a, if you're a fan of politics, it's the place to go. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like the the White House. You know how the White House is surrounded by crap town area? Same kind of thing. Like, yeah, unless you're really into politics. I don't know why you go to Ottawa. Ottawa has two comedy clubs that are great. and But it doesn't have any distinctive food. It doesn't have anything. It has no real draw other than it's the capital city. Do you see any trend of Canadians moving south or expatriating? Or is it has it gotten more in the last 20 years or less? Or, because I know, like, my mom's area of central Florida... You know, half half the license plates in the winter are you know, Ontario and everything else, but uh, but they go back usually for the summer. Our yeah. summer is like what is it? Three months? Maybe not even this year. But like nobody wants to move to America because your healthcare is too expensive and so forth. But I like your weather. So like I bought when the economic collapse happened, I bought a condo in Tampa. Yeah, I bought it in Newport Ritchie, just outside of Tampa, on a golf course. And I'm like, yeah, this is fantastic. And guess where I spent the winters for like three years? And then the market started to improve, and I sold it at a profit. And I was like, all right. But now I kind of miss it a little. 
but I'm back working on cruise ships, so it's okay. Yeah. But I don't think I don't. I've noticed that uh, immigration to the states is even for entertainers has started to decrease dramatically because I don't think it's just a Trump phenomenon. I think it's an expense of your health care. That's the big, big deal. Yeah, like, I, and we like to shoot each other. I don't know if you saw that in the paper. Yeah, I heard something about that—the shooting thing. It's weird. I don't quite get it. Canada didn't have that problem so much. You should come. Um, yeah, I, I think fear of crime though is higher than it actually is, right? Like Noam Chomsky always talks. Same thing with Mexico and everything else. Yeah, everybody goes. Oh, like I have friends. I went to Cancun for a cruise ship. I'm like, you're going to get shot. Don't go to Cancun. Don't overnight in Cancun. I'm like. Please, it's it's the fear of crime is so much higher than it's act. crime rates have been dropping in you know forever, but they don't. I, I think Cancun is fine, Mexico's fine, and I feel like anywhere I lived in the states would probably be fine except for Florida. Florida, I got a good shot of getting shot. I got a good shot of getting shot in Florida probably, <laughs> um, but I, you know even Florida is fine. You're not going to get shot. If you had to choose one dream destination you've never been, what's on what's first on your list? Dead first, Easter Island. I want to go to Easter Island. So, and it's only off the coast of Chile by not much. It's far enough. You got to want to get there. I mean, it's not like, it's not on the way to anything. I mean, I had a friend who just went there and it's a little... What did they say? Did they like it? Yeah, it's interesting. But when you see the big heads and then... That's it? Yeah, kind you of like... I say that about you know, Niagara Falls. I'd see these... Ameri- like there was a comedy club right at the falls. And uh, I talked to these Chinese and Japanese tourists and they're taking photos of the falls. I'm like, but after seven minutes... Is it, is it? That's it. No, what? There's nothing else. Literally nothing else around there. And then you're stuck in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants even. I don't even want to be stuck in Buffalo to get my cheap booze. Um, so I, I worry about that with Easter Island a little bit. But I understand. Like, there's a volcano you can hike up in Chile and stuff. So I, I thought maybe you charter or something yeah. and you go. I don't know how long you. I don't know how much time do I need to see the Easter Island heads, but I know I need to see it. And then after that is the pyramids. You got to see pyramids. And I think. I wouldn't mind seeing um, the Kremlin in Moscow. I'd like to go to Moscow, too. But the state of Russia and America right now maybe is not the time to go vacationing. I don't know, though. What do I know? Where, uh, top one for you? No, I have, a, I have a whole list that I want to do. Egypt is right up there. I still haven't done Egypt and uh, Morocco in terms of Africa. Morocco is where William Burroughs, William Burroughs, the author, went to Morocco after he shot his wife in Mexico City. Do you know how she died? Do you know that story? Like, he, they used to play this game. He'd put an apple on her head and he'd shoot it off. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he accidentally shot her in the head. And uh, his wealthy family got him off of that, but he had to go somewhere. They were like, okay, that's it. We disown you. You have no more money. You have no more access to our power and influence. So he buggered off to Morocco and he became like an even worse junkie there. And so when he writes in his books, when he writes about Inner Zone, that's Morocco. That's like the place you go to get high. And I'm like, I want to go to Morocco. I want to see that. Yeah, Morocco would be badass. And it's not even a far flight from, like, from Toronto. It's a seven-hour flight. You just take the ferry from Spain. I was in southern Spain. I was in Malaga. And you could just take a little ferry to Gibraltar and just you're there. And you you, I know, but I can go back. I'll, I'll go back. And then I still haven't been to mainland China. That's on there. Myanmar, I'd like to see. Mongolia would be up on my Sure. Mind. People forget, like, China and is huge it's massive and people don't realize how big it is until they go there and like wow that's a it's big um he works in international development and he works in mongolia all the time you should see the photos of the desert it's a desert that has snow and these weirdly looking camels but everyone is a descendant of genghis khan there so um before he got into international development he was an electrician and he's in his hotel room and the porter is there and they're trying to fix a switch and he's like hey man that's live you should be careful and the guy's like no don't worry i'm a descendant of genghis khan and he puts the screwdriver in and belts himself gets electrocuted and Taves laughing he's like oh Genghis Khan wouldn't be that dumbass <laughs> <coughs> but I, I don't know I, everything is mutton up there you gotta eat a lot of mutton so buckle up for that but I, yeah. I would do it because I haven't been I haven't been 
it's like send me somewhere I haven't been. <laughs> like if I could talk to the cruise ships and be like, uh, here's the places I've been. Can you just book, book me anywhere else? I'd do it. How long as your son is? He's three now, right? He'll be at three. Now. Yeah, three. So I mean, how long do you think? Do you see yourself traveling, and how much? Do you want to do it while he's still a, a lad? And, and at some point, would you take him with you? And what, what's the right age to take him? So I wanted to take him to China not long after he was born, but the Japanese encephalitis shots you know, make him more sick. So I haven't been able to take him anywhere. But we've had my wife and I have had a big discussion about this, and the plan is to take him anywhere that I can. So Because um, even if we have to pull him out of school, our thinking is, I'd rather take him out of school for a week so that he doesn't, why read about the Panama Canal when you can actually see it or China or whatever else. So yeah, as soon as, yeah, as soon as we can, which is, I guess now after about three, I think it's maybe his last run of shots is maybe four years old. So I guess in another year, then I'll start taking him everywhere. How long before you incorporate him into the act and saw him in half? Never, never. And <laughs> you know, I always love that in Mr. Saturday Night, there's that great scene where he's like, uh, the agent sees the picture of his daughter. He's like, oh, that's me and my daughter singing. And then she sees the next photo and it's the, the girl is older and he goes, she goes, oh, look at that. Your daughter's still in the act in her teens. No, no, that's, uh, that's another girl I hired after my daughter got tired of doing the act. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to. But I want to take him everywhere because this is a great, this is a way to, like, I grew up like lower middle class. There's no way I would have been able to afford to see everything. This is it. This is the job that will let me do it. So if I can let him do that too, that's all I can offer him. Well, what do you think? from going all these places uh, from the kid that grew up in Toronto, not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden having to see all these places and both poles and every continent, how has it changed you as a person and how has it changed the way you like look at the world and interact with people? I have more interest in politics now as a result, globally, honestly, but I'm, I'm always amazed. Like I just, I, I'm still like a little kid in a way. Sometimes I go places and I'm like, wow, there's no way I, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be here. Couldn't afford to, you know, couldn't, shouldn't have been able to jump that class. Um, so that's pretty cool. But at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, it opens, broadens your worldview, right? Like, cause you can hear people talk about China, but then if you actually go or, or, or anywhere, right? Like even America, truthfully, what a lot of Americans think about Canada is completely perverted. And also Canadians have lots of stereotypes too. Like I just said about Florida, right? Which, yeah. <laughs> you know, is obviously not true. Um, so yeah, it opens up your worldview. I mean, this is the genius of travel, right? And also it made me realize I probably should have paid more attention in geography because many times I'm like, where are we? If I could only know, I can't, yeah, it must've happened to you, right? Like you go, I don't know where in the world this is, but still I'm like, how lucky are we really? We don't have to have a nine to five job and someone's paying us to go hang out. Okay, well, where can people find you online or anything if they maybe they want to hire you or see your stuff? Uh, do you have a website? Are you on the Twitter? Are you there with the Instagram with the kids? Every, yes, my Instagram is full of my kid. Um, MattDeSero.com website. Um, actually, everything is like Twitter.com forward slash MattDeSero. Everything is MattDeSero. It's easy to find me. But yeah, if you want to hire me for your corporate event, please come and I'll go there. If you're having a corporate event in Taiwan, I'm there. And don't drink the wine if you're doing the corporate. No, never offer me wine. (laughs) Never. Unless you want a really good ending to your show. All right. Matt DeSero, everybody. (laughs) 